Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. Uh, we sure do. Bastes could also stand for Mark and Sarah talk about space. Will that be true today? Who can say? Well, actually, I can. I am your host, Sarah DeBunting, and I'm here with your other host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Hello. I am singing (laughs) to you from the stars. (laughs) I that is like the worst singing you ever did, and I'm sure that it pained you to do. But Um, I I needed to do it to make my point, and you sometimes have to sacrifice everything. Well, and also to just disorient people a little, because the song we're about to talk about should be doing that big time. Tell us more. Okay, so this is the song Come Sail Away by Styx, which I had heard many times, but somehow didn't really hear until about a month ago. When I was listening to it on a trip home to see my family, and I was in the car with my dad, and he said, oh, yeah, this is the alien abduction song. And I was like, (laughs) what? And he said, yeah. I had never heard that until you were like, so we're going to talk about this because of the alien abduction angle. And I'm like, the what? Yeah, exactly. So Come Sail Away by Styx, a top 10 hit in 77, 78, a song that I feel like has been covered a thousand times. It was on Glee. It's on a lot of other things. I feel like it's been in 50 commercials. Freaks and Geeks I, is the one yeah. I associate it with. There are six movements to this song, essentially. <laughs> There's the sort of piano-driven song of a lonely man's yearning. Then there's the lengthy instrumental with guitar and synth. Then there's the power chord power chorus section of come sail away come sail away and then there's the clip i've pulled this is what happens at the end of come sail away please listen carefully to the lyrics You want to talk about uh, a surprise twist ending that is in no way indicated at the beginning of the song. At the beginning of Come Sail Away, 
he's saying, I'm sailing away, set an open course for the Virgin Sea. I've got to be free, free to face the life that's ahead of me. On board, I'm the captain, so climb aboard. We'll search for tomorrow on every shore, and I'll try, oh Lord, I'll try to carry on. Meaning, I don't know where I'm going in my life, but come on, let's go on this adventure together. There is no indication. I have a slightly different and much more disgusting interpretation well, <laughs> of those lyrics, but uh, please come continue. on and ride this D. But but the point being that there is no there is no indication at all that we're going to get to. I thought that they were angels, but to my surprise, they climbed aboard their starship and headed for the skies. That what? Yeah. First of all, he thinks he sees angels, but it's aliens. And yeah, they let's, want him to- let's sit for a minute with the fact that you thought you were seeing angels. Like, that's a couple of songs right there. But yeah. then we're off to, like, uh, Close Encounters. Okay. And, 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 and it's friendly aliens who want you to sail away. Like, what in the chicken fried fuck is going on? <laughs> I think that, I mean, sociologically speaking, his Surgically speaking, I, I think that this was like a, a fairly not common, but like I guess sort of common, like late seventies mm-hmm. way of being in the world as a stadium rock act. To wit, first of all, you have the fact that like this band was fighting itself for years um, between the sort of like rock, like the, you know, Tommy, the guitarist side of the equation and the Dennis DeYoung space opera, space opera, like damp bleating of ballads. I I mean, I shouldn't say bleating. He does have a nice instrument. He's a cheese ball, but he can sing. Um, So that's happening, but it's also like the late seventies and everybody is sort of like, dislocated cynical the the drugs are starting to get really strong just in time for everybody to kind of be sick of them but they keep doing them mm-hmm. um and there's this like weird it's like you know the ford era of american politics he keeps coming up today while we're recording episodes yeah gerald ford Good luck man. to you um and you also have that happening in like film culture, like the Star Wars cycle has started, Star Trek, the motion picture has come out, Close Encounters, as I mentioned, in which Francois Truffaut plays a large role. Like, what? Like, everything is just very, like, weird. It's like the Uncanny Valley approximation of life in pop culture. And there really is in prog rock at the time, Styx was a prog rock band, and you've got bands like Yes... Jethro yeah. Tull, they're all making songs where fairies and elves and aliens yeah, are like all just Rush part of sort the of mix. Like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, fucked a Wendigo. I don't think that actually <laughs> happened. But if there is a Rush song in which someone boned a Wendigo, please alert me immediately so that I can get a Rush tattoo on my face because that would be <laughs> fucking badass. But anyway, um, there's a, uh, there's this like romanticization of space and like i want to go to there that i think this fits right in with Styx's whole thing 
but it also kind of feels like they're trying to kite off of songs with acts, so to say, like Meatloaf, like Led Zeppelin, and it's not quite working because it's such a hard left turn from like, hey, like, sweet young thing, get on my boat and let's fuck until we get to the Maritimes, and then all of a sudden it's like, um... By which I mean space, like where, what is even happening? Well, and I actually don't see it as a sex song for once. I I really do think that it's a song. (laughs) It's a song about the quest to have spiritual meaning in one's life. I I choose to believe that because otherwise it's just, (laughs) you're taking a quaalude and getting naked. And the next thing you know, you're on a spaceship. Like, but like, this is also the time that Jonathan Livingston Seagull was popular. Uh, There really was a whole thing in the culture of, I am eager to have some sort of spiritual awakening to become at one with myself. And this scream therapy was a thing that was happening at this time. Like there was a, there was, it seemed like that the boundary between the actual and the spiritual world was permeable in a very distinct way in popular culture at this time. There was an expectation that you could have a, an extrasensory experience at almost any moment. And maybe like you said, it was because of all the drugs or maybe it was because we were momentarily going back to some sort of pagan. I don't even have the qualifications to finish that line of thought. Yeah, I don't either. I think it was a combination of things that we being either still zygotes or little kids at the time barely understand. Yes. But it's just very clear now that the culture was very open to outlandish fantasy in its popular culture that was very operatic in its scope and tone. And frankly, Styx could only have existed in this period because Dennis DeYoung is someone who loves a big over-the-top ballad but also loves the insanity of a song like Mr. Roboto. And uh, his instincts are so, so bizarre that no wonder Tommy Shaw wanted to go be in damn Yankees and just make straightforward rock instead. Yeah, and of exactly. Course, I know all of this because of the all-time legendary Sticks episode of Behind the Music. from the madness of sticks for a pop chart astrology reading yes that's when i tell you the destiny of yours or someone you love's success based on the song that was number one when you or they were born now this week we are doing a birthday pop chart astrology reading and the birthday in question belongs to listener laura g hello laura so again i will be telling you the destiny of your success based on what was number one the day you were born you were born on september 10th 1983 and that means your number one hit was maniac by michael Cimbello. yes the unforgettable song that soundtracks jennifer beals's warm-up routine in that big warehouse in the movie Flashdance. before we take another step or dance step shall we say forward let's listen to a clip
Okay, so one thing, Laura, that I want you to know about this song is that it wasn't originally intended to be in the movie Flashdance at all. In fact, Michael Cimbello wrote it because he loves horror movies, and the original lyrics were full of gory references to an actual maniac cutting people up and doing all sorts of crazy things. And then he accidentally sent that song on a demo to the folks that were making the album for Flashdance without realizing it was on there. He hadn't intended to send it at all. But then lo and behold, that was the song that the people from Flashdance wanted the most. It's the one that came ended up being on the record after he made some requested lyrical changes for obvious reasons. And it was the one that became his only hit as a performer. And interestingly, Michael Cimbello had actually had other hits as a writer uh, prior to the release of this song, including the song Mirror, Mirror by Diana Ross. And he'd also worked with Stevie Wonder for many years and had won a Grammy in his collaboration with Stevie Wonder. So it wasn't like he came from nowhere, but an accident of timing and fate and a willingness to alter the lyrics to his horror movie song helped him become an established, for a moment at least, chart-topping pop star. So what does this mean for you? Well, Laura, first of all, I think it there's something here about following your own joy, as it were. Michael Cimbello wrote a song about horror movies because he loved horror movies, and then this happened. So I feel like, for me, that says your success, personal or professional, however you interpret this, has something to do with just doing what you love and letting the chips fall where they may, trusting that they'll fall somewhere good. But I think there's another element here to remember as well, which is that Michael Cimbello was willing to alter his song so that it would fit the needs of Flashdance. So that means that as you're doing the thing that you love, there may come a time when someone is going to show you a lot of enthusiasm for what you're doing and ask if you can make some changes to accommodate their needs. And to an extent, I would encourage you to pay attention to that. That, again, could be a professional or a personal relationship. But there's a way of having your accomplishments and desires celebrated while also making room for the needs of other people that will probably push the thing that you love and love doing into some new level. So, Laura, I hope that that is a helpful reading. And listeners, if you would like a pop chart reading of your own for yourself or someone that you love, just feel free to shoot us an email at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, and we will let you know how you can discover your pop chart destiny. Again, that's talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. And now, back to the aliens and sticks. Yeah, well, and that Dennis DeYoung was like, Dennis DeYoung was really smart about like sort of transitioning into like, let's do Kilroy was here, which I don't think was a space opera. It was just like an opera or a rock opera. But it's about robots and shit. I mean, it's like the whole thing is about androids taking over the human consciousness. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like Mr. Roboto is not a, like that. It is actually Mr. Roboto is the, the, the place setter for the whole opera of that album, which is, we are living in a dystopian future where robots are taking over our souls. Oh, okay. I thought that was from an earlier album. Anyway, uh, but it's like he managed to like s- sort of slide into or slide sticks into um, like schmaltzy WMST Moist FM Balladville and make a bunch of money that way also. Yes. Before they just were like... You get to like the mid '80s, and Sticks is like 
out. Like, it's just done. Like, you've heard um, Babe like 17,000 times at the roller rink, but by 1987, they're just gone. Yeah, until I, they I come, feel like that's how it was. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Until they come, well, partially because the band imploded and they all were yeah. fighting, and uh, that behind the music episode is so brilliant. Because for oh one my thing, God. isn't that one of the ones that's like an hour and a half because there was so much fighting and yes. they couldn't get them all in the same room at that point. And then oh, Dennis so DeYoung good. talking about that he had light sensitivity and couldn't be on stage anymore. And every time he talks about that, they cut to Tommy Shaw, and Tommy Shaw is like, "Fuck this guy." Yeah, I mean, it's really it's like clear. the journey one where they're like, why did Steve Perry need his own bus? And Steve Perry's like, are you fucking kidding? Does anyone else have is anyone else have name recognition? Fair point. Did anyone else write Sherry? And I'm like, you didn't write Sherry, bitch. <laughs> but uh, but Dennis DeYoung is the kind of person your your meatloaf comparison is apt because Jem Steinman will write these nine minute operatic songs that are about crazy shit and then meatloaf will just sell them and dennis DeYoung wrote those songs and sold them himself but you know mm-hmm. what I, I can just imagine how difficult it must be to be around someone who will look you square in the face and say i'm going to make an album called kilroy was here about robot overlords and you're gonna fucking play the guitar on it and we're gonna go on a tour where we're all going to be dressed up in robot suits because I rewatched this uh, behind the music just recently, uh, not actually Did, in preparation for this episode. Was that a graffiti that was like around your it town? It must have been. Yeah, it must have been because it was around my town. And like, granted, I'm five years older than you, so th- there were like different. It was like a different cultural space. But like when that album came out, I was in grade school and I had fr- my best friend had an older brother who was super into sticks, and I feel like he and his um like hesher friends <laughs> totally t- fucking chalked kilroy was here on everything between our house and the junior high so sure yeah i i feel like they had this like extreme perfect moment for them and then it was like uh lighting an amaretto paper that it was like well that's that's done like i hope you bought savings bonds because you you could only exist at this time and you did absolutely the most existing that you could do at the correct time. And yet now, and now you need to be a teacher or something. And yet now sticks, I feel like in a way gets the last laugh despite being critically lambasted for their entire career because come sail away and too much time on my hands. I think are songs that we still know. And uh, crystal ball is my, it's my all-time favorite Sticks jam, but that is, I mean, that's an extremely Sticksy stick song. But I just feel like they managed to back into having two songs that are in constant rotation still on classic rock radio. Oh, yeah. At and least two. One of the reasons that I love and respect the song Come Sail Away is because if you're not really paying attention to it, which clearly neither one of us had no. been, it's <laughs> no. just a song where you just sing Come Sail Away over and over again and you enjoy that. They managed to sneak in the alien shit. And by the time that you get to Mr. Roboto, which came out in the early 80s, they're not even fronting anymore. They're like, nope, we're just going to be singing about robots. And I remember from Behind the Music, which, again, I said I rewatched recently, but not because of this episode, just because I will sometimes rewatch them on YouTube. The Mr. Roboto tour, Kilroy Was Here tour, had them all dressed in robot suits and everything. They were not fronting. But at this time, they were sneaking alien abduction into songs that sound like basic 
straightforward classic well, rock. It's, it's not even alien abduction. This is the beauty. Like there are a couple of sonic, like aural notes that might reflect the arrival what, of the craft, the arrival of the craft or what you're used to like traditional, the traditional soundscape of an alien. Yes. Yes. Pew, but pew, the pew. aliens are like, this planet sucks. Come with like, yeah. they're not being abducted. They're being rescued. That's right. Which is like, what a... Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to imagine the band meeting about these lyrics. And I, I will bet you American money The Tommy Shaw was like, there needs to be more bloodshed. And Dennis DeYoung's like, no, no, no. It's cool, man. Like, the aliens just are trying to help. And Tommy Shaw's like, that's boring. Like, okay. And also, let's oh, just God. back up and say, it's kind of arrogant to think that your spiritual quest is the one that gets the attention of the aliens and that they want to come rescue you like bitch what's up we all don't know what's going on what's so special about you girl look (laughs) boo-boo yeah i had to boo-boo dennis de young but it was it's necessary and needed at this time or the aliens were like look tommy shaw called us and they said that you were being fucking annoying so why don't you just come with us both of you like take a breather so come sail away six weeks come sail away before Tommy Shaw breaks a Stratocaster over your head. Um, you I think it it's back. I think it's worth noting that we also polled our Patreon patrons, of which you can become one at patreon.com slash mastus, and asked uh, which sticks do you prefer? There were three options. I prefer classic rock sticks, come sail away, too much time on my hands. I prefer moist ballad sticks. Babe and their 1991 comeback song "Show Me the Way." I don't know if you remember that song. No. Show me the way. Take me tonight to the river and wash my illusions away. It was always Is on VH1. This Moon River. Essentially, it was <laughs> always than, on VH1. And then the third sec? option was. I don't remember that shit at all. <laughs> well. I, it was I my freshman why. year at college. There are quite a few things I don't remember at all. There's no reason that you as a college student should have been watching as much VH1 as I was watching as a middle school student. So <laughs> I will remember it for both of us. Checks out. And then the third option was, I prefer whatever the hell Mr. Roboto is. Okay. Uh, 59% chose classic rock sticks. 26% mm. chose Mr. Roboto. And 15% cho- chose moist ballad sticks. Um, but I just want to... Um, acknowledge that several of our uh, patrons responded by talking about their children as their route to sticks. Uh, Laura B writes, quite frankly, their entire catalog is meh slash black. But if I had to choose, I would take too much time on my hands over syrupy babe. I will never object to a good ballad, but babe is close to elevator music. I can't even summon enough nostalgia to support that level of cheese. I never liked Mr. Roboto at the time either, but it's marginally grown on me because my kids think it's hilarious. Uh, Fair. And then Lindsay writes, I was also going to talk about how I cannot think of freaks and geeks. Uh, I can can only think of freaks and geeks when I think of sticks. Or, to be honest, the movie Big Daddy. But mostly I think of the creepy-ass video and that amazing Volkswagen commercial with Mr. Roboto. Therefore, yes. I'm going to go with Mr. Roboto, even though Come Sail Away is my favorite. Not, however, the Eric Cartman version, which my oldest child is currently obsessed with. And oh. that is a good reminder that on South Park, there is the running joke that if he ever hears even a snippet of the song Come Sail Away, Cartman is required 
to finish the entire song. <laughs> as uh, as instructed by his alien overlords yes. slash major domos. Who knows what role the aliens actually end up playing? <laughs> oh, and I also think it's important to say Cat Hazard writes. I love their cheesetastic sappy ballads, but none of them inspired me to choreograph a roller skating routine in sixth grade like Too Much Time on My Hands did. Yes. Yeah, I really think that the roller skating rink memories are important to one's sticks appreciation. At yes. least they are for me. I mean, Although, here's the thing. Crystal ball, hard to skate to, not impossible. But you can make it, can you strip to this if you try? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ball. Well, here's the thing. Styx seems like a group of people who are all insane. Their songs are crazy. However, mad props, and I have deep respect that they snuck a benevolent alien song onto the American radio. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing this to uh, our attention, Mark's dad. Because (laughs) who knew? Um, I think I might have to come sail away with your dad and get some uh, whiz dropped on me about some classic rock lyrics. And he's like, "Eh, actually, this is about the um, Volstead Act. Like, what? (laughs) What you'll see here is that... (laughs) What you'll see here is that Jethro Tull is actually singing about the Monroe Doctrine. (laughs) Did you get that from the flute? (laughs) Oh, James Monroe's flute. Title of my sex tape. Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.